Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss ideas that can shape a sustainable food system, from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert de Graff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we would like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, the Nature Conservancy, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems. This time we're talking to Berenice Dupeux. She is the Senior Policy Officer for Agriculture at the European Environmental Bureau. And we are talking in the closing months of the next reform of the Common Agricultural Policy. Berenice, thank you very much for joining Food Systems today. Thanks a lot for having me today. You've been on your own Twitter feed and also EEP as an organization has been quite strong that the current CAP proposal should be withdrawn. Can you briefly explain how you came to this position? Sure. Um, Actually, it goes back to 2017. Um, The EEB commissioned a study uh, to look at what was uh, the, whether the cap was fit for for its purpose. And the result was quite clear that from a social economic perspective, um, the cap and his policy instrument going with it Notably, the direct payment um, could be, ad- was, it was difficult to justify them as they were uh, currently implemented. And from an environmental point of view, we, see, we saw that the greened, greening of the CAP had no impact. And that was also acknowledged by the European Commission later on. So we really call for the European Commission to have a more ambitious reform this time. And you need to remember that that was back before the European election. So it was under the Commissioner Hogan that we had the first uh, proposal. So uh, when the proposal came out, uh, we judged it as a timid (laughs) reform proposal already. And the proposal to us mostly maintained the statu quo. But then the European election took place and we saw a massive calls from the citizens to tackle the environmental and the climate crisis. And therefore, the European Commission, the new European Commission, um, have published the, the EU Green Deal and following the farm to fork strategy and the biodiversity strategy. Therefore, when those strategies came out, we call on the European Commission to fully align the CAP with this new ambition uh, in the, of the EU Green Deal. However, the European Commission, while acknowledging that their proposal was not fully coherent with the European Green Deal, it left the co-legislator, meaning the European Parliament and the Council, the power to and the duty uh, to do the job for them, basically, to align the, the cap reform with, uh, with the EU Green Deal. However, we saw uh, that the European Parliament in its position, and even more so uh, farm minister in their position, didn't embrace fully uh, the farm to fork strategy, notably the targets, and didn't commit uh, the CAP behind those, uh, those strategies. So we are still today calling 
to withdraw the, the, the CAP. Notably, um, the European Parliament will have the opportunity to do so uh, when the negotiation will come to conclusion uh, by having a final vote or not on accepting this new uh, CAP or simply um, restarting the process from scratch, which is what we are, are actually calling for in order to have also environmental uh, minister, uh, environmental institution around the table. I mean, it's still in in, in, in a negotiation, but the, the 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 rough deal as it currently stands, do you think it, it will pass in the end or do you think the parliament will actually take the step to reject it? I think it's very difficult to, to say, but if we look at history, uh, given that the, 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 in the European Parliament there is a two committees, the Committee on Agriculture and the Committee on the Environment, uh, mostly uh, most of the power lie within the Committee of Agriculture. So given they, they are the same people negotiating the, the, the CAP that's in the past, I don't think uh, we will see a rejection of the proposal uh, in the future. So mm, I think it would just go as it went uh, previously. Okay, so for the rest of this podcast, I want to sort of base it on the assumption that the the proposal as it stands is withdrawn and there's sort of a, a, a rewrite and then see with you how you would like to, and how EB, how, how you would create a greener, more social, more biodiversity-friendly, climate-friendly policy. Uh, so let's start with the big one. You already mentioned the Green Deal. How would you rebuild the CAP that is much more in line with the Green Deal, particularly when it comes to agricultural emissions? Well, um, the first things, you know, the EU Green Deal has put forward some targets, quantitative targets, notably regarding uh, um, greenhouse gas reduction, uh, regarding um, a reduction of pesticide, of nutrient. So we have quantitative targets to achieve by 2030. Those targets need to be reflected into uh, legally binding European law, so into the CAP, in order to be achievable. Otherwise, they are just hope, ambitions, and are not uh, basically binding any farm minister to do anything in their own country. So that's the first step. In order to align with the EU Union, we need to have binding targets. But to achieve those targets, we, of course, need proper incentives. So in order to design effective policy instruments, we need to give the right signal to the farmer. We can't keep giving mixed, mixed political message on what they have to do. So first, we need to abolish harmful subsidies. So basically, any subsidies that provide an incentive to... Uh, and directly pollute more, harm our environment needs to be abolished. And that I'm referring, for instance, to capital supports for the livestock sectors. The second thing is that environmental law and good environmental practices needs to be the basis, meaning all farmers, whether or not they receive subsidies, needs to respect them. And then the final step, which is, which is the most important, we need to because the CAP is one-third of the EU budget, it could have huge potential and huge leverage in really addressing effectively the climate and the biodiversity crisis. So to do so, those money needs to be spent on a policy instrument that reward farmers for delivering environmental and climate uh, 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 positive externalities. And that is important when I say by delivering, that means that they need to be monitored they need to, we need to have solid data 
in order to really measure to which extent this policy instrument is effective in reaching a specific goal. And that's mean, for instance, sorry. How would you, if, if you give a much more free reign, how would you design yeah. um, a greening system or a biodiversity component of the CAP yeah. that is much more effective than what we've seen in the past? I think what we need to keep into mind, looking at the bigger uh, uh, picture, is that we can't talk now about biodiversity solely or climate challenge solely. I think we need to ensure coherence between every environmental dimension, such as climate and biodiversity. So the accent should be put on farming systems that deliver multiple positive outputs. And thus, we know that having agroecological practices, moving, transitioning toward agroecology actually does deliver on those, uh, on those uh, environmental dimensions, um, on those multiple environmental dimensions. So we should avoid to compartmentalize measures, one for climate, one for biodiversity, one for air pollution, one for water. And so uh, looking at co-benefits, of course, doing that is more complex. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a more complex exercise for policy um, uh, policymaker, but clearly that's the only way to respond to the emergency, especially the biodiversity emergency that we are facing. And if we look more, it's, not, it's nice to step back a bit. If we look historically, what we try to do is to simplify our ecosystem in order for farmers to control the environment in which they operate. So, for instance, uh, we use fertilizers in order to be sure that the plants are the nutrient. We use pesticides to control pests. So what we need, instead of create a blank page and a sterile ground, what we, sh we should do now is to recreate ecosystem. And that would be human-made ecosystem. And I like to say even farmer-made ecosystem and work with it. And this transition... Uh, we, we will take some time and, and needs to start today. In this different, much greener model of a CAP, um, perhaps we would need to re redistribute the resources as well. One of the great sticking points has always been some farmers get much more than others. So how would you look at re redistributing the, the European funds to farmers? Of course, we need a fairer uh, CAP. And the most unfair policy instrument currently is the direct payment, which is an income support uh, uh, instrument. And the European Court of Editor, multiple scientific studies have shown that they were not based on reliable data, meaning they were not going to farmer in, the, in needs. So in order to have a fairer and to distribute fairly uh, uh, cap support, we, we, start, we need to start to phase out uh, direct payment and collect data about uh, farm, uh, farmers' family income, where does it come from, uh, do they have side income or not, and try to provide those income to those in needs. And that's really, really the only way to, to go. We need to start to collect data on the European scales, harmonize data, and, and ask them to member states as a compulsory basis in order to provide more, uh, let's say, tailor-made uh, policy instrument. You've brought up this this line now twice about it should be more targeted to to farm, farmers or family farmers in need. Would you have sort of a rough estimate of what in need would look like? Is it to do with 
average income? Is it to do with how they manage their land? How, how, what, is, what does in need mean to you? Well, we could have policy instruments with several dimensions. Uh, so we could have one policy instrument really looking at family farm income and looking, okay, is this family, you know, having trouble <laughs> to make the end of the month? And that's, that's a, that's a, that would be justifiable. Uh, we could also look at a policy instrument. Okay, we want to restore and preserve some land uh, in a certain, let's say, environmental ecological statue. How can we help those farmers to achieve that? But once again, to achieve that, we need to measure what we want to achieve. And right now, it's not what we are doing, really. So really, we need to start to look at, okay, why here is there is an environmental issue? How can we deliver and address this problem specifically and follow up on it? The 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 idea of that we need to start remeasuring um, or that we need to start measuring in the first place is something that you've brought up a few times now. Yeah. There's also, I mean, we have the, the the farm database. We have quite, you know, uh, through the Natura 2000 programs, we have many sources of existing information and databases. Do we need to start from scratch or do we need to simply take what we already know and put it together and, and make it more yeah. user-friendly, essentially? This is actually a really good point because there is a lot of data out there that are already collected. And it's, the EEB is mostly working on environmental issues and uh, environmental authorities have a lot of data. They are not always, you know, cross with agri-data, let's put it like that. So we start to need to, we need to look at what data out there, and there is a lot, and how we can connect the dots between them and how we can make sense of them. And that's a big effort that institution needs to make. Uh, but one of the arguments that's very frequently brought up in these types of discussions is to say, well, if we make it greener and more social, well, essentially what we will do is displace production outside the European Union to third countries, possibly with lower standards. Um, how would a, a, a differently shaped CAP prevent essentially just us putting our footprint somewhere outside the borders of Europe? Leslie, in the unlikely event that we withdraw the cap and that we manage to have a really uh, greener, fairer CAP, uh, we of course need to have other uh, policy instruments, notably trade instruments, that embrace as well uh, our green ambitions, let's say. So what we impose on domestic production, so anti-EU, we need to impose it also on whatever come on EU territory. So we can't keep importing, you know, um, uh, foods that uh, lead to deforestations. That's a, that's a specific example. So our trade policy need to be uh, revamped and aligned with our uh, uh, EU Green Deal as well. That's the only way to avoid uh, leakage, what we call carbon leakage. We've had people on the on the podcast before who said, well, one of the solutions may be that we should combine several DGs either into one bigger unit or to say it needs to be much more focused around the, the problem. Would your style of solutions require this type of institutional reform? Would you, for example, merge DG Environment and DG Agri? Or how would it look like institutionally? I would not merge them. I would rather empower DG Environment to, uh, to be able to participate to the drafting process, to the thinking process, to the co-legislative process. At the moment, uh, for instance, DG Environment has really 
less resource, human capacity to do so. If you look at uh, uh, the number of people working for DG Environment and, and the budget they have allocated compared to DG Agri. So we need to actually allow uh, other uh, institutions to be part of the negotiation and to have a seat at the table. Only then we can have a different story. Otherwise, it's always the same actors. So staying on the institutional side for a moment, one of the things that, uh, that, that often comes up as a, as a complaint against the CAP is that it's not very transparent, certainly not towards the general public, and that there is, once the reform is signed, it's difficult to get good over, oversight. How would you reform the CAP or the institution that the public has a better, greater awareness of what's going on after the reform's been passed? Yeah, I think, uh, so for the CAP itself, and not uh, the institution. I mean, within the CAP, we know that now uh, member state countries are going to design the national CAP strategic plan. So that would be a really an important exercise that is currently conducted uh, at national level. And we can see from EEB membership, because we are an umbrella organization with member at national level, we can already see that they are not always, not all stakeholders are invited to input this, this drafting process. So if we really want to ensure that more transparency uh, and simply more awareness around the and understanding, I think it's, what is, it's really a question of credibility here. We need to have this one third of EU budget. So we need to, 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 to start to think about how credible are going to be the CAP in seven down, down the line. So really, it's really important that in those drafting process at national level, all stakeholders, including environmental stakeholders, are, are having a seat, having a say at the table and not are just consulted on a really last minute basis in order to, to check a box. In this revised CAP that we are discussing, would you keep these national plans? Is this something that you'd say, well, that it's more detailed, it's a bit closer to the ground, or would you say no? If we redesign the CAP, we get rid of the national plans and we try to control it a bit more at the Brussels level. No, uh, I, the EEB um, is not against having <laughs> having uh, national plans as long as they goes along with a proper accountability mechanism. So we know that uh, it's even more. We could say even at regional level, we have different production system, uh, environmental issues. So it does make sense that you tailor the policy to, to, the, to, the, to your environment, to your context. That's, that is fine. It's totally logical and it's going to increase the performance normally of, of uh, the CAP. However, the fact that you don't have to uh, report properly on the performance and that basically you are... Um, we, we, are going, we are going to give a blank check to the member states and say to them, do whatever you want with it. We will just review it from far, far away in Brussels. That's not, that's not fine. That's not how it should work. Okay, so we're coming up on the end of the podcast now. And I want to ask you the final question, which is the same we ask everybody who comes on the podcast, despite that we've already talked about a number of ideas. If, we, if you were to give one idea or one policy suggestion that would really make the food system as a whole much more sustainable, what would it be? I think um, we already uh, touched upon it. Uh, we need to withdraw the CAP and include the farm to fork and biodiversity targets and align it with it. So it's, 
So if we really are serious about our EU Green Deal ambitions and the current climate emergency and, and biodiversity emergency, we need to align our, let's say, aspirational uh, targets with our legally binding targets. That would be the first step. Having all the stakeholders as well uh, around the table will be key. Bernice Dupont of the European Environmental Bureau, thank you so much for joining Food Systems today. Thanks a lot, Robert. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Frag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day.